0: This is lesson 19, and after seven weeks, we're going to finish Galatians chapter 3 today. Paul has been explaining the purpose of the law and the difference between the law and faith, both of which are spoken of and required by the book of the Torah. And I want to clarify for this lesson. When I say Torah, I'm going to be referring to the complete full five books of Moses. And when I say law, I'm speaking of the law given in the wilderness. Because I really feel that this needs to be, we need to separate the two. We spoke last week of how the law exposes sin. It teaches what sin is and exposes our wrongdoing. But the law doesn't stop there. The law also tells us that God has made a way for us to repent and deal with sin. He gave us Yom Kippur and the offerings to deal with men's transgressions. In the commentary, I spoke of how the book of Hebrews tells us that this atonement for sin in the law was a shadow of the Messiah and his life given for the sins of men. Paul tells us in Romans that the law is holy, righteous, and good. That it's holy, it was so holy that God actually sent His angels to deliver the law. The very angels who attend Him and hang on His every word gave the law and He didn't just give it to anyone. But God chose who would receive it and mediate the law. He raised up Moses, who was the humblest man on the face of the earth, to receive and mediate the law. And he chose him because he was so humble that when he mediated, there would be no part of Moses in his decision, but that Moses would relate exactly what God had said. You see, the law was so special That God dealt with it in that way. It was special because it was in part the revelation of the Messiah who as Paul says in Romans 10 is the goal of the law, of the Torah. In in that verse Paul in essence tells us that if you miss the Messiah in the Torah then you've missed the very purpose God had for giving it. And I want to start by reading verse 22. It says, but scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Messiah Yeshua might be given to those who believe. He tells us in verse 22, he tells us that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, to sin and of sin. Every father, son, and daughter is a sinner. There was no escaping that sin. We were trapped in a cycle of sin. It was passed to us by our fathers and then we passed our sins on to our children. We were and the whole world were prisoners in a vicious cycle that left us separated from God. We were prisoners because even if we wanted to do good, we weren't able That's what Paul gets across in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, when he says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that that does it. So even if you knew the law and you were inclined to do good, the good we want to do, we cannot do. So the law exposes our sinfulness. You know, the Torah is the revelation of God's holiness. He tells us, touch no unclean thing, touch no dead bodies, touch no dead carcasses, no unclean animals. All to teach us that he'll have nothing to do with sin and the uncleanness of the world. Why? Because he's holy. He's life. He tells us to love our neighbor because he loves our neighbor. And because of his love, he cannot see our neighbor mistreated and he knows that we won't be able to go through life and touch no unclean thing and so he makes a remedy for those times we fail to touch to touch no unclean thing he gives us the mikveh in hebrew or in greek baptism or in english immersion he gives us the mikveh to deal with our uncleanness he knows that we will not always treat our neighbor well because he loves us He gives us a way out of our sin. He gives us instruction on restitution. He gives us the sin and guilt offerings. He even knows that we'll sin unknowingly and unintentionally. So he gives us Yom Kippur and the offerings of that day to atone for those sins. All to teach of the Messiah. And that's why Peter at the conclusion of his message to the Jewish people, who were the keepers of the law, To the Jewish people on Shavuot, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. You see, this verse tells us that the law was a teaching of the redemption from the slavery of sin. And it came not through the law, though the law taught of the redemption. It did not come through works of the law, but through the promise within the Torah. The promise that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham's seed and that God himself will provide a lamb. The promise that was given first and foremost, and the law is an integral part of the promise because it leads you to the promised seed. The point being that God made a way for us to be found righteous apart from the laws of the Torah. Is the law opposed to the promise then? Not at all. The Torah teaches and testifies of God's method of blessing all men and the release he gives for the prisoners that we were. He gave the promise so that all who believe in the promised seed might find freedom from the prison of sin and rest for their souls. And so Paul says next in the book of Galatians, Before faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. You know, these, as you might well know, are some very problematic verses these are some that people point to when trying to disparage the Torah, the law. And Paul, in this passage, he personifies faith. He says, when faith came. So the question we must ask is, was there ever a time when there was no faith? When faith came? Not at all. The story of Abraham belies that saying. Before the law came, Abraham had faith. Before Uh, The law came, he had faith. Before Messiah came, he had faith. He might as well say this. Before faith in the promised one, before our personal redemption through faith in the Messiah Yeshua came, before Messiah Yeshua came, or at least before the knowledge of Messiah came, we were prisoners of sin. We were locked up until our personal faith in the redemption should be revealed until the goal of the law was revealed to us personally, which was the redemption in Messiah through faith. Without faith, without the Messiah, the world is a prisoner of sin. Above, Paul said the law reveals our sin. We know that sin keeps us from entering into the presence of God and into the world to come. And then he says, but when faith came, I was released from that penalty of sin. I was cleansed from the uncleanness of that sin and was able to enter into the presence of God, both in this life and in the world to come. And granted, if we were well-versed in the Torah, we might have reasoned that Abraham's faith in the seed promised by God was the vehicle by which he was declared righteous. But even if we knew that, it would still be a leap for us to know who was that promised seed. The seed was no mystery to Abraham. When it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, it can only be that he believed God for this promised seed. There's no other way to be declared righteous. The point Being Abraham knew the seed was Yeshua. And Yeshua tells us that in John chapter 8. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now when Messiah was revealed, we're now able to have the same saving faith in the promised seed as Abraham had. And we're no longer held prisoners to sin. Does that mean, as you often hear taught in churches, that no one before the coming of Yeshua was able to have faith? Not at all. Scripture, we we can read Scripture, and we can see that Messiah and His redemptive work was revealed to many. So they too had faith in the coming seed. David speaks of the seed and the redemptive work of Messiah in Psalm 22. Isaiah knew and speaks of the Messiah and the redemptive work. Jeremiah knew, Zechariah knew, and others, the So the point Paul makes must be until Messiah was revealed to us personally, we were locked up prisoners of our own sin. You see, the law was actually a light that revealed the sin in our lives. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You know, I watched an expose on how unclean hotel rooms are. Uh, You get done watching this, you won't want to stay in a hotel again, right? They had a light and when they shined it on the carpet and on the bedding and even on the walls, it revealed a world of uncleanness. The light exposed dried body fluids and there were dried body fluids everywhere. Well, that's what the Torah did for your lives. It revealed the uncleanness there. It showed us that like the hotel room needed a cleaning, needed new carpet, needed new bedding, and needed new wall coverings. We needed a cleaning. Right? As you can imagine, until the room was cleaned, it couldn't be used, so they had to lock it up. Unused. Until it could be made clean. In the same way, our uncleanness rendered us unusable to God. We were locked up. And so Paul says next, he says, So the law was put in charge to lead us to Messiah that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. And so while the law exposed our sin, the other purpose of the law was to lead us to Messiah and tell us how God was going to deal with sin. It through the commands concerning the offerings, the commands concerning immersion and the and commands about uncleanness. And the Torah's revelation of the promise given to Abraham that through his seed all nations of the earth will be blessed led us to Messiah. Abraham's example of faith in the seed led us to the realization that we must have a personal, steadfast, enduring faith in him. Did that faith lead us to no longer needing the law? Absolutely not. The law still tells us what sin is. And it's still useful, as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the law still outlines God's righteous standards and our failure to keep those standards and our uncleanness for not maintaining those standards. However, now that we have personal faith that Messiah has come and faith in his redemptive work, we have received the Spirit of God. We have a new light shining on our lives and that light keeps our feet on a path that is clean. And free of sin and uncleanness. It shows us where we can walk. And where the uncleanness of the world lies. It's like a light that revealed the body fluids above. Using it to see if we want to enter the room or not. The spirit reveals the uncleanness of the world before we come in contact with it. It tugs at our heartstrings. So Paul says next that through this personal faith in Messiah, who is the promised seed and foretold in the Torah, he says, because of this, he says in verse 26, you are all sons of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua. For all of you who are baptized into Messiah have clothed yourself with Messiah. Remember, part of the influence, what the influencers are teaching is that until the non-Jews complete this full conversion process outlined in their tradition, they are by their tradition unclean. Being unclean means that no Jewish person who is by their tradition ritually clean may have contact with that uncleanness. The influencers are saying that you must go through this process in order to be purified so that we may have contact with you. Only then will you be ritually clean as we are. Paul says, no. They're cleansed and made wholly acceptable to God through faith in Messiah Yeshua. He says, we were all held prisoners to sin. And when he says all, he means all, Jew and Greek alike. There's no one who is clean. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This ritual uncleanness that the influencers influencers espouse is a sham. Because in Messiah there is no uncleanness. He is the offering for sin. He's the mikveh of the world. And when it comes to sin, we were all prisoners. And who is all? Every mother's son. And when you have faith in Messiah and you are immersed into Messiah, then you put on Messiah and when you put on Messiah you're no longer a prisoner of sin because as John says he says this in first John chapter 3 verse four one of my favorite verses everyone who sins breaks the law in fact sin is lawlessness but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in, or excuse me and in him is no sin and no one who lives in him keeps on sinning and no one who continues to sin is either seen or known when you are immersed in the Messiah, there's no sin. You're freed from your status as a prisoner. You're set free from sin. And that is why John says no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And the one who keeps on sinning doesn't even know him. You're clothed in the Messiah and all of the world's uncleanness has been removed. You're now covered with Messiah. If we go back to our hotel room as an example, all the carpet's been removed, all the bedding removed, all the wall coverings removed, not just clean, but removed and new carpet, new bedding and new wall coverings. You're clean. Thank you, clean. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship. Get that. We are God's workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like the room is the craftsman went into the room and replaced everything. We're God's workmanship. He's the craftsman. We did nothing. Nothing we did. Not our works, but God's workmanship. Why? So that the works we do from that day forward could be good works of the law. Through Messiah Yeshua. We were prisoners. Can a prisoner free himself? Can a hotel room clean itself? No, we were God's workmanship and it is through faith in Messiah Yeshua that we were set free. And it was and is His workmanship that cleansed us and keeps us from uncleanness. So when Paul says all, he means all. So the text next is, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Messiah Yeshua. You see what he's saying? There's neither Jew nor Greek. In other words, there's no pure and impure, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are unclean, all are impure, and all need to be cleansed through God's workmanship. So because we are all unclean, there is no way to restore fellowship and purity. We're all together in a prison cell before faith came. And now that we know Messiah, we're all together again. But this time, we're all one in Messiah Yeshua. If you go through the process, if you go through this process, you've done nothing. Not one thing. To make yourself clean or acceptable to God. Because the truth is, there is no one who is righteous without Messiah Yeshua. And so Paul says in verse 28, If you belong to Messiah, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You do not become an heir to the world to come through works of the law. Though the works of the law itself. You become an heir to the world to come through faith in the promised seed of Abraham. See, what I wanted to do with the rest of the time today, I want to see if we can summarize chapter 3. You know, it's been a long journey to get through chapter 3. I know Terry was surprised today that we were still in chapter 3, right? It's been a long journey, seven weeks to get through this chapter verse by verse. You must be getting bored, right? I'm almost getting bored writing this stuff. But anyway, I want to go through it now in about 10 or 15 minutes. Now that we have all of these basics, we should be able to go through this relatively quickly and see what Paul's getting at, right? Galatians. It should be easy for us now to understand why he would begin Galatians chapter 3 this way. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes Messiah Yeshua was clearly portrayed as crucified? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? He says, Are you so foolish Really? After having known Messiah's redemption, after having been touched by Messiah's saving grace, having been made so pure through that redemption that God's Spirit is now able to dwell within you? And not just that, but because of Messiah's redemption and your faith in that redemption, the Spirit of God not only abides within you, but the Spirit also works miracles among you and through you. So foolish ones, do you really think that you can add one thing to that through becoming Jewish? Through living as a Jew? When all to include the Jewish people you are striving to emulate have fallen short of the glory of God that you now possess? Really? Are you really so foolish That this type of thinking could even enter your mind? What on earth are you thinking? Who's cast a spell on you? Who's bewitched you? And then he says, consider Abraham. He had no Torah. The personal instruction he received by divine revelation. That's all he had. He had no Torah. And yet he was declared righteous through his steadfast faith in God. He had, I might add, a faith that was so steadfast in the promised seed that he offered his son as a sacrifice, knowing that the promise of God could not fail. So steadfast in the promise of God that he tells his son on the way up the mountain, God himself will provide the lamb, my son. Then Paul says, if you rely on human effort to keep the works of the law, then you're under a curse. Because the law says cursed is everyone who doesn't do everything written in the book of the Torah. Well, faith in the promised seed is in the book of the Torah. The blessing of the nations through faith is in the Torah. It follows then that if you don't remain steadfast in the promise as did Abraham, you will fail to do everything written in the book of the Torah. So he says... You foolish Galatians. And he tells them exactly why replacing the promise with the works of the law can never be. He tells them this in verse 15. He says, no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established. So it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The law cannot set aside the promise. The promise had no conditions. The promise came first. The promise was not part of the law. Part of the Torah, yes. Part of the law or works of the law, no. It cannot be set aside by the law. For that matter, it can't be set aside by anything. It's God's solemn promise. He said, I swear by myself. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and they will be blessed. Well, then the natural question would be if the promises are irrevocable and it does not depend on the law, why does anyone have to keep the law? Why did we even get the law? Why obey the law? Why was the law given? Well, Paul anticipates the question. He says, What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgression until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. He teaches that the law was added to expose to shine a light on impurity, to teach of how God was going to deal with that sin and impurity. The offerings for sin and immersion for uncleanliness were shadows, as Hebrews tells us, of the good things that was coming, of the good Messiah that was coming. God was going to deal with sin through the promise given to Abraham. The seed, the promised seed, that lamb that God God would provide will be the offering that would atone for sin. And our immersion into Messiah would cleanse us and make us pure. And not just that, but it would give us a permanent covering. We put on Messiah. Messiah. Well, if that's the case and the laws concerning the offerings and and the laws concerning immersion and purity didn't really cleanse and we were under the impression that they did, we were given the impression that they did, did the law fool us and thereby it's wholly contrary to the promise? Really contrary to the promise? Again, Paul anticipates the question and he says in verse 21, Is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have certainly come by that law. And so he says, absolutely not. The law wasn't given to impart life in the world to come or life at all. There were no promises of eternal life for the world to come in the Torah. No real promise of a resurrection. That was not the purpose of the law. That's what Paul is saying. That wasn't the reason it was given. The law was given so that God could bless his people in this life, in the land that he brought them to. The law was given to teach of transgression and the method of dealing with transgression. It was given, he says, as a guardian to lead you to the one who would deal with sin and impurity, not on a temporary basis as does the law, Not for blessing in this life alone, but it was given to lead us to the one who would deal with these things on a permanent basis. It was given as a teaching of the Messiah, the promised seed. And so Paul, nearing his conclusion in this chapter, nearing the conclusion of this chapter says, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Messiah that we might be justified by faith. And now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. The law was God's teacher. To teach and lead us to the Messiah's redemptive work. Which in turn gave us the spirit in our lives to guide us just as it did Abraham. Our faith in Messiah gives us the direction, the understanding, the salvation and the purity that the law could not. And so we're not under the supervision of the law or man's rulings on the law. As Paul would put it, works of the law. No, we have the Spirit of God to guide us, to direct us into all righteousness, truth and understanding. The chapter concludes with why. He says, You are all sons of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua, for you were all baptized into Messiah and have clothed yourself with Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are one in Messiah Yeshua. And if you belong to Messiah then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You don't need to follow the rulings of men on the law, cut your flesh, because you are a son of God through faith in the Messiah Yeshua. You don't need to once again immerse yourself because the influencers deem you unclean, because you have been cleansed once and for all through your immersion into the Messiah Yeshua. And not just that you have also clothed yourself with righteousness. Why convert when there is no Jew or Greek in the Messiah? We've all sinned in the eyes of God. We all need Messiah Yeshua. The goal is not to be part of the nation of Israel through traditions. The goal is to be one with Messiah Yeshua, who is Israel. And through your faith in Him... You have reached the goal and you are now heirs, not through the law, because the law wasn't given to make you an heir to the world to come. No, the promise, the seed of the promise did that for you already. You are already an heir to the world to come.